0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle, a podcast all about real estate, sports, and entertainment. Take a deep dive with me into the world of high-end lifestyle and get exposed to the different leaders behind the scenes of it all. So let's get right into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Michael Ferraro. And for today's episode, I have a very special guest and a close friend of mine that I have known for many, many years since elementary school. Uh, I have Lindsay Stevens with us. Lindsay, how are you?
1: Good. How are you, Mike?
0: Thank you so much for being with us.
1: First, Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Uh,
0: so Lindsay has starred on HGTV's House Hunters in the Hudson Valley, and she is a Hudson Valley native. Um, she specializes in residential commercial real estate, and Lindsay is the number one sales agent in New Paltz from 2017 to 2020, and then she blew up and got even bigger, and she runs a team of 28 real estate experts. Hudson Valley Magazine voted this group the best real estate firm in the Hudson Valley, and they were named the face of the Hudson Valley real estate. Uh, Recently, She was recently featured in New York Times, and Lindsay has over 15 years of business development experience, marketing, and sales. And Lindsay is the co-founder of Stevens Realty Group, which in 2020 aligned themselves with the fastest growing real estate company in North America, EXP Realty. That's not a plug for EXP. Realty, but it can be whatever she's on the podcast. But if you want to call me, hey, I'll talk to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, that's uh, just a sneak peek. Oh, of thanks. To, uh, to Lindsay about a lot of different things, but, um, I know that you've been super busy lately because you have all this public speaking and you're super famous now and you carved out a little time. Um, but Lindsay is a thought leader and, um, very big in that space especially in the hudson valley she has been absolutely amazing um and we're so excited to have her on and before we even get into any further i want to say happy birthday to your oh, daughter
1: thank She's you She's nine today right She's nine today i can't wow. believe it i'm like nine years i don't know where they went but they happened
0: yeah they happened and they will continue well, congratulations! Mm-hmm. Happy birthday to Thank your
1: daughter.
0: You. Thank you. Um, so, a ton of stuff to get into, but like I do with most of the agents that I that I talk to, because they come from completely different markets. Just super softball, easy one. How is the Hudson Valley market doing?
1: Yeah, I mean it's busy, right? I think like every market in the United States of America, COVID has appreciated the market pretty significantly. We're 90 miles north of New York City. So we, um, you know, during like the height of COVID, we're like, there's two things are gonna happen. One of two things are gonna happen. The market here is gonna flatline, or it's gonna explode. And because of the demand of people pushing out of the city into more open space areas, the market here exploded. So obviously, you know we're you know Newpaltz is a sleepy mountain town, sort of not anymore. Yeah. Traffic's out yeah. of control, but um, you know, art big art and music scene, really awesome vibe, world class rock climbing, and you know, I think people just they found us and like everywhere in in the the world, really things were going on the market within they were sold before they were even hitting the market or was, as soon as they were going on the market you have 22 offers properties were going 200 thousand over asking multiple you know like highest and best situations on everything and still i mean that's still happening yeah. um now so yeah the market's good it's a seller's market i mean i think buyers are inching their way back into having a little bit of leverage but for sure, still, still, sellers still got the upper hand in value Valley right now.
0: Have you seen a little plateauing in, in price?
1: Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing prices stabilize, and things are coming on the market at prices that they haven't in about two years. Yeah. Um, so things are coming on, prices are coming down. The demand is shrinking a little bit, although anything priced appropriately is still really getting into multiple offers. Um, So as long as it's priced right, and I think the thinking here and probably in Connecticut, too, is underprice it a little bit. And then it's, you know, it's driving that price much higher than what they anticipated getting. So, like, keep the margins tight, put it on at a number that's aggressive, but not, you know, outlandish. And they're getting they're still getting one hundred thousand over asking.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't matter where I talk. Uh, what market I talk to an agent about, it's the same kind of thing. It's just yeah, I, we don't I have any inventory and we are slammed with buyers and kind of a slow pro- plateauing of the price and maybe a little interest rate tick up and stuff like yeah. that. Where
1: yeah, it's and that's just, happening.
0: It's still just everybody's like, especially if you're used to being a, a listing agent who's used to having a lot of listings and now you have low inventory and you're trying to find anybody who's you know interested. If they're interested in selling at this point, you know you'll have a buyer but now this laundry list of buyers that i have just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and they want the item that i just sold yeah. but i don't have any more of those <laughs> they don't they don't, they don't yeah. exist you know it's always one of those things
1: yeah we have the city buyer right like 90 i'd say 95% of the buyers during covid were new york city buyers and they all sure. want the same thing they want they want character they want rustic they want charm with modern updates they want privacy you know so it's like the same thing the black contemporary Wow.
0: So, yeah. Exactly.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: What's so, interesting too about like the Hudson Valley and like, obviously, no shock, I'm, I'm from New Paltz. We're, that's how we know each other. Um, you know, it was always, yeah, thought of as like a sleepy, artsy, SUNY New Paltz and Mohawk no. Mountains. And it kind of engulfed it. And then if you get off exit 18, you can drive right through the town. You'll be done in like 30 seconds. And I think that, you know, and you you could speak to it. The, the buyer that's now finding it up from the city Are they finding that mainly because of the proximity still to the city or are they finding it is is the trend starting to be different as to why they're there?
1: Yeah, I mean, during the height of the pandemic, I think the consumer really didn't even know where they were. They were here because The New York Times told them Exit 18 was the place to go. (laughs) And they literally just got off the exit with a million dollars in their pocket and just bought a house. Yeah. Um, You know, and there's a lot of people. Then I would say, oh my God, you know, do you know the Mohonk Preserve? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh my God, do you even know like where you are? So mm-hmm. obviously, we know Mohonk Preserve is, you know, thousands of acres of open space and beautiful trails and hiking and biking and climbing. And um, they didn't really know where they were. And it pushed out, obviously, the local buyer. Like they just couldn't compete in any capacity. And it pushed out the buyers that truly love the Hudson Valley that have been meaning to buy a house here for 20 years and didn't, Um, you know, and they couldn't compete either. So you just had the people that heard about it. I mean, it was was everywhere, Vogue Magazine, New York Times, New York Post. I mean, everywhere and anywhere was writing about the Hudson Valley and not just new Paltz because we service all of it, but Woodstock and Stone Ridge and High Falls and Kerhonkson is the New Hamptons. It's the oh is it really? Oh, it's wow. the ker the Kerhamptons.
0: Oh, I okay.
1: Yeah. Google really- it. It's a thing. The Ker-Hamptons
0: And like you know, and then sport
1: Dutchess sport County has right? Rhinebeck and Red Hook yeah. and Millbrook, yeah. you know. So it's always been definitely always been a second home buyer destination right um but i think just yeah 90 miles north of the city and i think people if they had to it's commutable plenty of people do it every day um i did it for a year and a half every day and you know it's manageable
0: and look at the price price points like people are looking at still live in in new paltz and mm -hmm. i talk to them all the time i mean they're you now they've lived in their house for a long time. They' we've been in New Paltz as a family for well over 30 years, uh, almost 40 years. and it's like you know they don't have a loan anymore on their house. They own it free and clear. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, you think we can get 400 like 400.
1: <laughs> you could almost Thank double it
0: like people have it's crazy because this New York City is looking at even an $800,000 house in New Paltz going, wow, look at the value with the school system and everything that we have here and and it's uh, safe and peaceful in the Mohawk Mountains. They're looking at 800 like it's a steal. We're, you're selling houses in, in New Pulse at 800 and people are selling them like, wait, you know. Yeah. You get that? I mean,
1: it's prices that this area has not seen before. You know, even in the height of the market, the price. We have a lot of clients because we run a property management comp like an ancillary property management company, and we have clients since 2010. We've managed their homes because they've been upside down since the crash. You know, they bought in 05. And then the crash happened and they've been upside down. So we've had to rent, rent their houses out for them and manage them over the last 10 years. And now they're finally right side up, plus plus. So it's prices higher than this area has seen even during like the height of the real estate market here.
0: Yeah. Probably so time, it's good,
1: but... you know. I'm a local girl, so it kind of hurts my heart a little bit because, you know, I love the local people and I you know, I represent a lot of them. So it's hard because it's, you know, it's tricky for them to be a consumer in, in this market.
0: New Paltz is one of those things, man. Remember? So we have like a little movie theater in the town. It used to be like an arcade next to it. And then like where, I don't know, it used to be Stop and Shop, but it went through like a a bunch of different stores. And I always remember like coming back after I left for college, like watching little things change, but New Paltz always fighting to keep Paul's.
1: keep it charm, keep the charm, yeah, and they and they definitely they'll go to bat for like keeping big box stores out of the town and 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 stuff like that. But and it's you know it's the same, other than the traffic has gotten pretty yeah. pretty bad on the weekends. But that
0: one main road through through Newpals,
1: yeah. But if you're a local, you know the back roads,
0: yeah. So yeah, exactly you get up right right the freeway
1: and you just dip down, you know, north <laughs> to Henry Du Bois. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. we are like,
1: oh, these people don't know their way around. Oh, anymore. yeah.
0: They're definitely oh. just new coming in from New York. Sure. <sighs> so let's transition. I want to talk about uh, you and yeah. your journey. Yeah. So obviously, like a lot of real estate agents, we don't always just come right out of high school or start selling in high school or just like, you know, I started selling real estate when I was 12 years old and everything No. So most of us had a different path, a different career, something else in mind when we left New Paltz and graduated or whatever. Um, I think it was same thing for you. So what was that first career like and how did you make the transition into real estate?
1: Yeah. So I went to the university of Massachusetts, like you, I was, you know, lifelong athlete. Um, and I got a degree in sports management with a, a minor in law and, um, You know, I had this dream that I'd be in the sports industry. It's what I loved. You know, as a little girl, I used to hang Nike advertisements around the top of my room. And I just was like, I'm obsessed with like being in that world um, until I was in it. You know, I, I, my first job out of college, I worked for a sports management company. I was working, I mean, 80 hours plus a week. I was sleeping on the floor of my office some nights making like dirt money. Truly. Actually, I worked for free for the first, like, probably eight months of the job. I worked for nothing. And it was just like to get my foot foot in the door, you know? Yeah. And then I got promoted to $500 every two weeks. Um, and I lived in New York City. So you'd imagine that you can't get very far on $1,000 a month That's a tough
0: plus point, rent. Yeah,
1: And like, drinking at the time you know going to the bars (laughs) um but i look back on like that one job has taught me everything about business and i worked for super crazy man bless his heart steve foyerstein and he he was crazy but he took me under his wing and put me in places that i didn't belong at that time, I was 20 years old. I graduated, I was 20 years old. Um, Yeah, and I was in the top of Trump Tower meeting with like high powered executives and doing sponsorship deals. And, you know, he I guess he just saw something in me probably that I was working for free and that he could just (laughs) drag me along with him. (laughs) But he, I mean, like even to this day, my team thinks I'm crazy, but I still use like the same font type that he taught me how to use. Palatina, Linotype, font size 10, and everything was so regimented. And I still like, I start my emails the same way that he had me start them. And, you know, he just, he taught me everything. He
0: was your first real mentor.
1: He was amazing. Like amazing. He wrote a letter for, um, letter of recommendation for me when I went to graduate school and just, just like an amazing mentor, um, and then I went on to work for Edelman Public Relations in their golf division and did some freelance with another sports marketing company um, and then landed at Morgan Stanley. My last job in the city was at Morgan Stanley doing event planning for their corporate. Yep. And um, I was there when things were super frothy. So, you know, a lot of spending and parties and conferences. And so we did like the day to day event planning, the food and all that. And then the market crashed in uh, 2008, 2009. And I watched like thousands of people get escorted out of the building. I worked in Times Square and I was young. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really understand what was happening. And I, you know, so I just watched it happen. Um, And Lehman Brothers was across the street. They, you know, obviously they tanked first. And I remember thinking like, these people had the people that obviously got let go had invested their lives in these companies, like their whole lives. And I realized like how dispensable they were in a time like that. And I mean, they just got escorted out of the building. Their badges were deactivated and that was it. Couldn't even pack their desks. And that was it. Um, And I was pregnant at the time commuting back and forth to the city And I quit. So I quit my job. Um, Looking back, I'm like, that was really stupid. Eight and a half months pregnant, quitting my job, my health insurance, all of that. But um, yeah, my husband, Bruce, was a real estate broker. He's been a broker since 2001. And got my license in the worst real estate recession in history. And here we are.
0: Was there, so there's a lot right there where you go from, oh, wow, I guess all these people's worlds are ending here with this crash, going to go find another job. I'm going to go back from New York City and I'm going to go into um, upstate New York and sell real estate. And when you went to go sell real estate, did you have any conception of what that was going to be, were you excited about it, or were you like, I'm just going to get this license because this will be a stopgap or a band-aid till I do something else after, or were you like, nope, I love real estate, I'm going to put it all into real estate. What was that like? Like,
1: no, I don't think I had any idea what I was doing. I just think that I, you know, was like, okay, I'll do that. You know, and my father at the time had an opening. There was like he had a lifelong tenant in a commercial building he owned on Main Street. And he sat Bruce and I down and he was like, listen, there's this, the space is open. I think you have to go for it. I'm like, Oh, you know, okay. And I remember, and he talked about, he actually presented to our team two weeks ago and he, he was like, you know, look at these walls. These walls were painted by Lindsay and Bruce, you know, eight and a half months pregnant, like, you know, sweat equity. But he sat us down and he was like, this is the best time for you to build a business. It's the worst it will ever be. It's the best time, like block by block to build the business. And he was right. And I think I was young. I was young. So I didn't, I just, you know, I'm like you, I'm a doer. Like, okay, I'm going to do it. Okay. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And, you know, I'm going to work my ass off and. Yeah. Make it happen. So but no, I think I. I didn't think that this is where I would still be, I guess. Yeah. But so I don't like, know. I don't know.
0: But when you, when you got into it and you're like, oh, okay. So I sell real estate now. Like, were you like, well, how do I do this? Or like?
1: Yeah. And that work? the thing is, and I always say, like, I didn't come from a real estate background. I right. never worked at a franchise. I'd have never, this was my first real estate job. So I don't know the ins and outs of how like big corporate real estate companies operate. And so I had to kind of figure it out. We had to figure it out together. And, but, but with anything I do, I'm going to like put my heart and soul into it and I'm going to make it work and I'm going to show up and I'm going to just figure it out. And I think that's what kind of what we did. And listen, I mean, like, let's not be fooled. For I raised my kids here, it's basically what I did. Brought them here, raised them. It was like their playroom because nothing was set. Listings was on the market for three years. I look back, I'm like, why the hell did they resign listing documents with me nine times? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, like nothing. Another
0: six months. Let's give it another six month shot. Like, um, oh, just
1: give me one more, like, one more opportunity. Six months, six months, six months. Three years, you know, and that's just the way it was. So nobody, I mean, very few people called, nobody came. I did rentals for a lot of the beginning of my career. Like that's just what I focused on because I will sell anything like, and if there's nothing to sell, then I'll rent it. And that's where like our management company was born in the need of people to get out from underneath these properties and, And, and it floated us through a really rocky time right. too.
0: When did you realize that like, uh, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. This, this, is, I got I still, something here.
1: if you ask my team, I still don't, I'm like humble begin. You know what I mean? And I still am like, well, what can I teach anybody? You know, yeah. I think what I, I'm good at people and I'm, I'm good. I love people you know, and I feel like real estate just happens to be the thing, but I help people through like really difficult times. You know, they're not, it's not all beautiful. Like real estate for me, for a lot of my clients is, you know, it's financial pressure, it's divorce, it's death, it's leaving homes that you've raised three kids in and memories and it's heavy. Yeah. So I think I've just been And for me, it's never, I've never, ever, ever thought about the money like ever, you know, and I lead my team that way. It's like, if you come in here and your first question is, what is the split? What am I going to make? You don't have a spot at this table because I just think you can't grow anything when you're just focused on the dollar, you Mm -hmm. know? So I've always, I knew that like my people would, they would follow us and be good to us if we were good to them.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question. So you, you start this real estate adventure. It's slow moving for a lot of people and, and for you to kind of get it going. Um, I'm not shocked at all that you became more and more successful because your personality is is perfectly suited for this. You can sell by not trying to sell because that's yeah. your personality. That's a whole nother other conversation. But then you transitioned... From where it was, okay, I gotta I gotta get this real estate thing underneath me and realize how to get it moving to now agents and then managing other people because then you had your own firm at the time. So what was that like going through the whole process of now, oh, I have I have other agents, I have to manage them, I have a business to run here more than just my own business with other agents. What what was that like?
1: Um, You know, I think at the time you're so desperate for bodies, especially when you're trying to build that you you're so excited when anybody wants to join your team. You know, so when a couple people approached us about like joining underneath us, it was we couldn't believe it. You know, we always say we do this like happy dance, you know, when big deals close or good things happen. Like Bruce and I do this dance downstairs. And um, that's the way it was. You know, so we're like, oh, my God, there's people we've made it. You know, but you forget, actually, like you need to it's a lot of work managing yeah. and a team.
0: Humans. Yeah.
1: It's like it's the human behavior business. It's it's a lot of work. Um, so over the years, we've really clearly defined what the team is, you know, like who our ideal agent is, the direction of where the team is going Um, we don't want bodies, like bodies are just not what we're looking for. And it takes a lot of like trial and error. And a lot of the agents that joined with us from the beginning are still, they're still with us. And, um, you know, we've obviously taken on a lot of new people too, but we're very careful about that now. Um, you know, you need, I think people need to understand the work that is required for this industry. Mm -hmm. It's hard. You know, I think real estate has this misconception that it's just like roll up, close deals.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: shoot dollar bills.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, oh, you know, and I see the new agents, like when deals fall apart, like they just start unraveling. And it's because you're focused on the dollar, you know, and and it's hard. Listen, like working for commissions is hard, especially when you're, you know, financially strapped, like strapped. Yep. Um, so and you yeah, and,
0: on every, and you're, you're living and dying on every deal there. And you're looking at that money. Like, that was my rent. That was my mortgage. You
1: know, and they're like, well, it's easy for you, Lindsay. It's like, no, dude. Like I was there. I quit my job. I lost my health insurance. Like, I know what it's like. I think people forget that, you know, like I didn't just step into like a, a an established organization. Yeah. Um, so I get it. Like, you know.
0: Absolutely. I get it. So, and you have seen through the 08 times going into real estate when nothing was really happening, building it up, building it up, building it up. And then you're kind of like, pandemic hits. So, what was that like shifting into a pandemic? And I would say the biggest thing that I always was like, oh my God, was when I was finding out that you guys couldn't even make, you couldn't even do like for sale by owners and and, and expired calls and like, we that sort still of can not still can't. Right. That's, I mean, thank God, obviously all the businesses is, is picked up and everything like that. But what was that like when the pandemic hit and then talk a little bit about how EXP kind of rolled into the picture, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, so for me, like at that time I was looking for something bigger, like I needed, I didn't want to be the big fish. You know, I just don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. Like, I don't have an ego. And I just was feeling uninspired, I think, at the time. Like, I just needed people to be in my circle that were going to pull me up. And then I can pull the rest of the people under me up with me. So we obviously had been contacted by a lot of the franchises, you know, almost all of them. And they wanted to buy us, wanted to, and we're like, no way, we'll never sell out, ever, ever 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 and then KW was opening a market center in Kingston and they they whittled us down like definitely we came very close to doing something there and it got me thinking about the opportunity not only for us but like for our agents like yep. there is bigger opportunity out there than just staying as this boutique little company where what we can offer them is limited we can't right. give them right? All of that. Um, and there was just this like moment where I was, it was right before, probably right. Like days before we were going to sign an agreement with Keller Williams that I woke up and I was like, Nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Like I just had this gut punch and I'm like, it's not the right thing to do.
0: Was Bruce, was Bruce for that?
1: he was like, you're not thinking straight. Like this is, and, but this was like, I am convicted by this. And usually he wins. He's a Leo. He's very stubborn. Um, I'm like, no, there's not a chance in hell. I'm not coming. If you go, I'm not going. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and then that led me down the path of like, where's the industry going? Like what is happening with it? And this is pre COVID really. And then COVID happened. And, obviously like exp is a cloud-based brokerage so they kind of like didn't miss a beat and it just got me into with pretty big players in the industry you know, that had made moves and that's kind of how that started um but the pandemic for us you know was scary i talked about it last night i was on that panel it was about covid and like had a pivot during difficult times And I remember sitting at my dining room table and I was scared, like really scared because we have five people on salaries at the time and obviously a team of agents. And I'm thinking like, how the hell are we going to pay salaries and bills and rent with no money? You know, we couldn't even be on the street. Like if they found out and, you know, we, we definitely... People are watching what we do, so if it gets out that Lindsay's outside the house during the pandemic, like, uh, you know, I'm gonna get reported. You know, I know that at this point. <laughs> so great. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't even be couldn't be anywhere, and no, we can't make couldn't make calls. Like, so what we did is we just immediately went to like virtual, 3D Matterport. Our photographers were not licensed agents. Getting them on site. Getting them in the houses, doing 3D walkthroughs, setting up for buyers to just walk into people's homes without agents. I don't know. If, did you guys have to do that?
0: Um, where, where as far as like getting permission, like slips and stuff signed and stuff like that? So
1: like we had to just schedule. The buyer and seller had to coordinate directly without the involvement of the agent for the showing. And the buyer would show up to the house with no agent present and do their own showing.
0: No, that is yeah, whack.
1: I mean, we live in New York, so. That's true. It's a little yeah. crazy here. It
0: is a little crazy. That's not
1: But we still can. We still like every what, month we get this cold calling ban re- extended. Yeah. So we're not we're not allowed to make any. None of the woods yet. <laughs> None of <laughs> the
0: woods yet. Um, no. But
1: you know, as, as soon as it happened, we're like, okay, what do we do? How do we do right. it? Like, there's technology. We Zoomed with everybody. Like, when you get to the house, put us on Zoom. We'll walk through it with you virtually. Yeah. And we made a lot of, I mean, we made so many deals happen during COVID with clients we never, I don't even know what they look like still. Did you
0: start seeing it where it was March, April, May, 2020, World stuff. Yeah. June, July, August, ton of rentals. Everybody wants to come and do a rental. Yeah. September, October, November, December, we go into like this weird boom when everything's supposed to be stopping. People start to think about, I can't rent, I'm going to buy. And then we led into this monster the following of 2021. Was that how it happened there too?
1: Yeah. I mean, we definitely, you know, I think like all of us were hunkered down during COVID not knowing what the hell was going to happen. Yeah. You know, like it was scary. Like I was washing, you know, you, I know you were like taking it super seriously too. Like yeah. washing our grocery bags and like. Yeah. I'm spraying you know, down
0: everything with Lysol and yeah, exactly. You didn't know.
1: You didn't know. So I think a lot of people, they, I mean, everybody was just hunkered down and you did have the people flee the city that were financially capable of doing that because rents were, you know, three month rental. I, this one guy paid $120,000 for three months. People you know so like, how
0: crazy it got. Yeah, so
1: the average person can't do that. So the average person was stuck in a New York City apartment until things started getting like, okay, we can move a little bit, but still masks, gloves, booties, not touching anything, cabinets open, lights on. And we still couldn't be there. So we were making offers, you know, without meeting the client. Yeah.
0: um, People were asking me, like, how did you do it during the COVID? I said, well, there's a lot of deals that I did. I didn't meet the buyer. I didn't meet the seller. I didn't leave my house. I didn't see the property and we did transactions.
1: And sometimes are you like, wow, it would be really nice to go back to that. Yeah.
0: Sometimes and then you get stuck there and you go like crazy stir crazy in the house. So like the, I, you times where I'd be looking at my wife, like this is, this is some crazy, like never in history have, have people ever really had to deal with that at that prolonged period of time like that was we
1: were saying last night it feels like it it's so recent but it feels like it never happened like it feels like a dream
0: yeah right it it felt it was like agonizing when you were in it but
1: two more weeks two more weeks and then you know i always say like think about if we knew how long we would be home how much more we would have accomplished Mm. right because i mean i remember like with my own house and life, I'm thinking, oh, well, I can't start that because it's only two more weeks.
0: Right. Two weeks to stop the spread. I can't do anything, baby. Two more you know, weeks. Back, and then well, I'm like, well, no.
1: I can't start that. You know, I'm like, I could have had my kitchen renovated, my bathrooms. This, you right. know, like a year and a half. Like if we could go back and do that over again, like.
0: I would have really been like, this is a big time. If I would have gone back, I, I would have done so much more investing during that. I that know was a, that most amazing opportunity to build wealth when like the Dow is at 18. I know, <laughs> like properties would just, anybody would make an offer. It's like, but we had no idea, but that little window is going to be talked about in like 50 years. They're going to talk oh, about forever
1: that. history. Like there's we're the living shortest
0: quickest little window. Yeah. But crazy wealth was made there. Um, I want to ask you too, cause I, I don't want to forget some of this, some of these questions. So you come, um, out of the pandemic and we're still in it and you're kind of continuing to grow and continue to grow and now you're with the company like EXP you you feel good about it you jump into it what was the what's the biggest difference between being an independent owner of your own ship with agents Mm -hmm. and now being with EXP besides like their systems and tools and anything else was is there something more that comes with like you said the inspiration of being with EXP that you get now
1: yeah I mean so obviously we still like independent or team. We still are like running our business as if we're an independent brokerage, you know, but the thing, so I always say like, for me, the thing about EXP that I love the most is the collaboration with the other agents. And our upline is insane. You know, like we've, we strategically aligned ourselves with players that are huge, you know, number one in the world. And Number two for Coldwell Banker in the world, like people doing really insane amount of transactions. I was on a call this morning with her name's Veronica Figueroa. She'll do 1800 deals in 2021, That's like so just obscene. And because of the financial alignment with the company, they have, they want me to succeed because if I, if I succeed and crush it and the, you know, the 30 agents, 34 agents now under me, crush it, they're making money. So because of the way they've structured the company, there's a financial interest for me and everybody under me. Well, they, you know, they financially benefit from that. Mm -hmm. So our upline does a lot, you know, Monday masterminds, Wednesday, 50 million plus producers only zoom calls. So there's a lot happening collaboration wise and just like any question you have at any time about anything, like ISAs or TCs or whatever, like scaling business businesses, um, you ask it and they'll answer it, you know. Yeah. So we call it R&D, rip off and duplicate, like just cop, that's all I'm doing is just copying what they tell me. What, to do. Yeah. And then, you know, like all of the, it's publicly traded and like compass and a couple others,
0: stock options, so
1: like all that stuff is good. You know, it gives the agents an opportunity to make money other than commissions right? Um, through, you know, recruiting or, you know, stock option and stuff like that. But for me, it's just the alignment with the agents that are going to really like help us scale. And yeah. that's what we're looking for.
0: How have you seen for your own personal business from your day to day? How has it changed now that you're going from kind of that agent that was selling to then having your own company and team to now really grow into 34 agents? Is is your daily routines and is your daily kind of job changed?
1: I've learned to leverage. You know, I think that's something I've struggled with for 10 years. Um, and it's something Bruce was always like, you got to get it off your plate. And I'm like, nope, nobody can do it the way I can do it. I'm going to do it. And I'd be up at four o'clock in the morning, writing offers at midnight, you know, like just burning the midnight oil until I finally was like, you know what, like, I'm going to leverage this. And then I did that. Like I got a transaction coordinator and she handled all my paperwork and, you know, I'm like, wait. And I realized I'm actually really shitty at, I'm sorry, I don't mean to curse, but I'm I'm really, I'm really not good. I'm not organized. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not, I'm a D personality, like I'm driven and- I do. I show up, I close deals. And then like my car is a mess. My life's a mess. My house is a mess. My paperwork's a mess. So I really, I realized like, wow, she's actually like much better at that than me. Yeah. And then, you know, we got an an executive assistant and he's actually much better at that than me. So like the next thing for me is I'm going to make agents that are much better listing agents and buyers agents than me. And You know, I'm going to eventually scale myself out, but I've learned to delegate and leverage. And I feel like that's where, like, the power is now with the team. And, you know, we just finished a two-week onboarding with five new agents, and I committed to that. Like, I'm going to be there every day, Monday through Friday, 10 to 12 every day, because I'm going to help them succeed. Because I think new agents start, and they flounder, and they fail. Yeah. And that's our fault. Like, I have this philosophy that everything is my fault. So if something happens, it's my fault. Somebody doesn't succeed, it's my fault. So, you know, I've really started to put myself in that role. Like, how can I lead and help them get the systems and the structures in place and the foundation to succeed? And eventually, like, my goal is to peel out of production 100 percent like that's you know. So in time, but
0: yeah, I love that you take full accountability for what you're doing and also for everything around you. So you're not the victim and at at anything and you're taking full accountability. That's awesome. What would you say? uh, Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was going to say like, I I feel like in, I'm in like crisis, I show up like I'm good at that. So when things are imploding, I'm like, okay, you know, like that's where I'm like, it's, it's, it's our fault, you know, and uh, some of the core staff is like oh that's ridiculous i'm like listen it's our fault you know it's it is like whatever it is like yeah okay they're not pulling their weight or they're not doing this or, but they're agents you know what i mean like you know yeah. the yeah, agents awesome. are they're uh you know it's tricky to we can't motivate them that's for sure but. right
0: exactly so what so speak to um this is a kind of a weird question but if you were to look at Lindsay from 10 years ago from a completely different time and all the worries and everything and and f- that we had back then if you were to be Lindsay now talking to the Lindsay then what was the biggest thing that you would say as far as like advice or hey this thing you might be worried about that's not going to be a worry anymore what would you say
1: Yeah I mean I think I've you know I I'm a worrier so I've I've worked on that a lot. I've spent a lot of time working on myself um, over the last couple of years. And I think, you know, somebody asked me this last week, and I was just like, have grace with yourself, you know? I mean, I think you just have to trust in what's happening. And and like last night, I stood up there, and I'm like, I feel like everybody thinks everything's supposed to be perfect and that we're just have, supposed to have it all figured out and that, you know, it's just supposed to be a way that it's not, you know, mm. and even us with 30 agents and growing, it's a mess. I call it the messy middle. Like it's just a mess because if you're growing and doing things that are going to pull your team into an uncomfortable direction, it's messy. Mm. So yeah, I think just not to worry, to trust it, trust the process, to have grace with myself and, um, You know, I always say show up. That's like the first, the only thing people need to do is show up.
0: Yeah. I think that high D personality and like the way that we are is we have a place that we want to be at. Like that's what we're always fighting for. And then we're always mentally trying to figure out the answer as to how to get there. So at any time, if we don't feel like we're quite there, it's like, well, how do we do that? What do we got to do? How do we got to fix it? And sometimes it's okay that there's, there's not an answer at that moment. And that's the hardest part because it just never stops of like this growth mindset. And I gotta fix it, and I gotta figure out how to how to make it all work. And no, it is it is not perfect. You could. Yeah, have I mean, people years. tell
1: me. Yeah, they ask me all the time, like, "When's it going to be enough?" Never.
0: Well,
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> I what I really mean? You
0: love what you do, you know? It's it's yeah, I guess. I you do,
1: know. and I love our team. I mean, I feel like our team is just amazing, and like, you know, where they want to go and their goals. Like, let's go. You know, I mean, I just think that, you know, we set a goal, we hit it, we're going to double it. And that's just what we're going to keep doing. And, you know, eventually, you know, times change, real estate markets change, things change. But I think no matter what happens, like we'll just keep plugging away. And that's just we have a grassroots mentality. You know, like we definitely know what it's like to work hard and build something yeah, And and that's just in our DNA. So we're definitely never going to lose that
0: Yeah,
1: day by I day. Asked,
0: uh, I asked the uh, an agent from, she was in like the Northwestern part of Florida on a podcast that I had her on. She's a very big agent out there with the Corcoran Group. And she had her own firm and then she spent 10 years building it up right out of the pandemic, right out of 08. And then she moved on and she uh, joined uh, Corcoran. And I asked her, I said, you know, Do you ever think that it's going to go the other way again to where big companies, you'll start to see smaller mom and pops come back again, or do you think those days are gone? She said, no, those days are gone. The the days of building the mom and pops are gone, and now it's part of whatever the best companies that have now lasted, that's pretty much where the best agents are going to end up going. Do you think that, too?
1: I think that, too. I think it's part of the reason we moved. It's like innovate or die. You know, and it's that, to me, it's that serious. And I stood in front of our team five years ago. I'm like, if you don't, if you don't move, you're dead. Like you're dead. And you think I'm crazy, but it's that serious. And not, I mean, what is it? Top 10% do 90% of the business. And it's just the way it is. And if you don't make, and I think honestly, Mike, I could be with me. I could be with Corcoran. I could be with Coldwell. Like though, my clients are coming with me. Like they don't know the average, I'd say 99% of our consumer base doesn't even know what eXp is. They've got no clue. You know, they're just, they're with us because of their relationship with us. But I think if you don't put yourself out there and become known and stop depending on Zillow and stop, you know, everybody's like, I hate Zillow. It's like, well, it's your fault, yeah, you know, yeah. and and I think, you know, and I do think like a lot of these lead sites Are, you know, a lot of the business that we're going to do is going to be referral based at some point, you know, Zillow is going to take a big referral chunk and realtor.com. I mean, it's just the way it is, you know,
0: back to you, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, of course. And if, if, but if you establish your, uh, yourself as a brand, regardless of what company you hang your license with, right. Then you'll sustain any market.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I mean, The reason why I started the podcast, the reason why I'm trying to do more and more with content is because at the end of the day, you want to have the safety net of the systems and tools with your company, with that that group that you're with. But it's going to be up to you to be able to put yourself out there and be that brand. Like You've been able to do that in your market. You've been super successful. It's not an overnight thing with you because you've built it. You put the blood, sweat, and tears in. But at the same time, by doing that, and then going out there and not being shy about letting people know that you're the best at what you do. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not, you're not messing around with other competitions. You're just shouting your own praise and being able to say that. That's how you build that brand and to be able to do it. And put yourself
1: out there. Listen, it's not comfortable. You know what I mean? Like I, I hated putting myself on social media. Like I really did, but um, it's where the attention is, you know, and video someone just told me video gets 500 times more reach than a photograph or a blog post or you know it's just you gotta put yourself in uncomfortable situations sometimes but I think now more than ever with you know the Zillows of the world becoming brokerages and all you know all the things that are changing within the industry it's just moving fast so gotta go with it
0: yeah so you um before I wrap up I want to talk a little bit more about um, a couple things um I'm an athlete. You're an athlete, obviously. Um, your endeavor is is clearly your passion is in running. Um, clearly, you're always good at that. But as we get older, we kind of try to. I, I think that for athletes, you don't ever that doesn't ever go. But it's kind of like an anchor. And you being as successful as you are, and your schedules obviously change as your kids have gotten older, and your business has grown, and there's more demand on you. How have you been able to keep running and that, that in anchor in your life? Like, where does that fit in now? Has it moved at all? Have you placed it? How do you, run, how do you put that in there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think while I raised my kids, my daughters are 11 and nine today and I lost it. I, I, and actually I have to go back because I lost my love for running probably in college. You know what I mean? Like just burnt out from just being burnt out by coaches. Um, And I found it, I ran the New York City Marathon in 09, sort of found my way back to running a little bit and then had my kids and really sort of stopped like over the last, you know, couple years and then got back into it because it's really like my heart. I always say like so much of my life has happened in running sneakers And it's all my friends and my things that have gotten me through like really, really difficult times in my life. And it's just like my safety net. So, yeah, I probably got back into competitively running in like 2017. Um, And I ran like on and off. But then I was like, okay, you know, I need it for my mental state because being a mom and raising kids and running business, like if you don't have an outlet that makes you happy you're going to suffer. Yep. So, and you know, there are a lot of people say, I don't have the time. Well, I made the t- I got up at four 30 in the morning and I was running in the dark, you know, and then I found friends that were crazy as crazy and crazier right. than I am yeah. that will meet me at four 30 at a trail and <laughs> run with me and swim they, late.
0: They're there when you get there. There's yeah, yeah they, you so you got there at 415. All right, cool.
1: Well, you know, we're like, and we're there, you know, we're doing like, you know, then I got into triathlons, and that's like another level of just like mental fortitude. And I think it goes back to like the finish line just doesn't ever, you don't ever get there, right? So, you know, now I'm like, okay, what's next? Triathlons, okay, what's next? Ironman, you know, yeah. I just ran the New York City Marathon and. How but I love it. Like I don't do it because I hate it. I do. I do it, and it doesn't feel good. You know, it's hard. But I do it because yeah. I do love it.
0: How was the New York City Marathon?
1: Amazing. You know, it's a it's a life changing experience. Like to be on the Verrazano Bridge with thirty four thousand people, and and this marathon because it was a fiftieth anniversary. But it's also the city has suffered for two years. You know, so right. right. They said, like, before they started, they're like, you're going to breathe the life back into this city. And it's just, you're like, with so many, there's a million spectators. So every inch of that course is covered in people cheering and bands and DJs. And you see the city in such an amazing way because every part of New York is so different. And you get to watch it happen. And it, it'll change your life, you know, and you spend three, you know, three hours and 34 minutes with yourself being uncomfortable.
0: What do you, when you run that, do you, do you take it in like, wow, I'm running, look at the views. This is really great. Or are you more like, I got, I'm, I'm also here trying to get my time. I'm trying to race. Like, how is that? Is that hard? Or are you like tunnel vision that you're a competitor and trying to do this thing?
1: I'm not. No, I'm not. I, you know, people yell at me because I stopped on the Verrazano bridge and stood on a, like a concrete block in the middle and took pictures. And I called my dad on the 59th street bridge. And, you know, I took a lot of video and my friend Alex yelled at me. She's like, you know, every picture of you that they posted, you have your phone in your hand. I'm like, dude, like, I enjoy it, you know, and I feel like part of, I, I love it and I don't realize that I'm actually running fast. Like I ran my fastest marathon time ever, wow. but I also like really enjoyed the day, Yeah, you know, cause I feel like if I was just so like that, I got to run and I got to run fast. I would actually do the opposite. I feel like I would, you know, would, yeah. it would suck more yeah. than it already does. <laughs>
0: Do you feel like over the last 10 years and your whole real estate career that there's been a lot that you can enjoy the success now a little bit? I know you always – there's never the end there. You, you're you always reaching for the next thing and the next thing. But do you feel like because of you working on who you are and being, being okay with – Being the personalities that we are, you if you don't do a lot of introspection sometimes and really figure a lot of this stuff out, you will destroy yourself because we will will go to the ends inside of our own heads. Do you feel like you can enjoy it now because of all that work that you've been able to do?
1: Yeah. And I think I'm just proud. Like I'm proud. You know, I'm proud of the, I'm proud of the people like around us. I'm proud of the, what we've built, but I'm mostly, I know that what we've built is because of the people that have helped us build it. Right. Um, so I don't believe that it's like, you gotta do this. You gotta do this. You gotta do this. I am fully aware that the people that have like come into our ecosystem have allowed us to grow. Um, and yeah, I can, I feel like I've gotten time back, which I think when you're like us, it's just like, go, 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 grind, 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 sell, sell, sell. And then I realized, you know, I want to close a hundred deals. Okay. Well, I closed a hundred deals. Now I realize, no, I just want like a Saturday to myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, You know, yeah. like yeah. I actually
1: don't want that, you know? Yeah. So I've been able to enjoy having more time and yeah, just enjoy watching the agents become successful and
0: yeah.
1: crush it. So yeah, I can, I'm learning.
0: Well, we all, we, we all less. do a little bit and, we all learn. And it's been amazing to watch you uh, succeed and crush it like you have. I feel then, the same
1: about you. I'm so proud oh, I'm just, of you.
0: I just, like you, I feel like if people ever ask me, like, you know, what about this? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I'm figuring this thing out, too. Like, it's yeah, just all relative.
1: Thing? What's your one tip? I'm like, dude, I got no clue.
0: My one tip. Uh, yeah, my one tip. If it was only that simple, if we could just bottle that and sell that, we wouldn't have to sell real estate. We could just do that one thing over and over again. Totally. Um, I want to say thank you so much for being on and all the different listeners and watchers and people who are going to check this thing out, where can they learn more about you and your company hit us with the websites and the social go.
1: Yeah. So you can find me on social Lindsay Stevens on Facebook, Lindsay, Eileen Stevens on Instagram, you know, I'm on LinkedIn and YouTube, but our company is, um, Stevens real estate and uh, it's stevensny.com is our website. And pretty much you can find us all over the World Wide Web. We're, we're pretty out there. So yeah. follow us, like us. If you have questions, obviously yep. reach out.
0: And there is nobody better in the Hudson Valley oh, than, thanks, than Lindsay and her group. So please check her out. Reach out to her if you're even interested or thinking about buying or selling in that area and if you're an agent and you have questions i'm sure is it okay if they email you if they always
1: i mean i always and i volunteer myself you need an accountability buddy you have questions you want somebody to ride your ass like you know i'm your girl so yeah. find me reach out
0: to Lindsay. yeah
1: <laughs>
0: you'll ride your ass yeah so it's, it's hey. it out. but thank Lindsay, you, thank Michael. you again so much for being on everybody out there thank you so much for watching and listening Leaders of Lifestyle Podcast. Until next time, take care.